0: hi everybody this is vincent jacob and you're on my podcast hanging on sunset today is another episode of our summer special series recorded at the pioneer town film festival back on memorial day i'm not going to lie this was my favorite encounter of the festival because graham leader my guest today is a producer of very important movie not just for me, but for a lot of musicians and fans of music around the world. In the late 70s, along with filmmaker James Selapsky, he followed then unknown artists who grew on to become legends in what we call the outlaw country world. Towns Van Zant, Guy Clark and Steve Earle are probably the most famous artists featured in this film. They were literally the misfits of Nashville music. They were not into mainstream Nashville country. They had something different to say and another music to showcase. It's something really different. It's something real. At the time, the film did not so well at the box office because it didn't have any famous names attached to it. They had difficulty distributing it. To find a niche audience, the film had to wait until DVDs and YouTube appeared. And that's how I discovered it in the 2000s. Through a YouTube clip, one scene in particular got me. It's a scene with Tans Van Zandt playing Waiting Around to Die. If you don't know the movie or any of those musicians, go check it now. It's on YouTube and I'm sure you'll want to see the whole movie after that. Because in the end, it's not just about the music. Those people featured in the documentary, they touch your heart. Almost an ethnographic document, Heart One Highways, portrays first and foremost an atypical, maybe a little dysfunctional musical community, but with strong social values. Enough said, let's do the show. Hi everybody. This is Vincent, and today I'm still at the Pioneer Town Film Festival, and I have the immense honor to be with Graham Leader, the producer of Heartworn Highway, which is a very difficult title to say for a French person.
1: <laughs> we, uh, that's uh, that can be difficult in any language because "heartworn" as a word uh-huh. did not exist. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it, it was a word that's come out of this film, and it was a, a word that was the uh, invention of uh, the editor oh. and uh, assistant director Philip Shopper, who's still around actually and we're oh. still very close, very very close friends
0: Oh that's nice
1: So Heartworn is a picture what? Uh, Heartworn, okay uh, Highways has an S which for you is probably the uh, different Yes, Heartworn Highway <sighs> right. Yes, I did it! <laughs> so
0: for those who don't know yet, uh, Heartworn Highway is uh, an amazing uh, music documentary about Outlaw country artist. I said we can say that, which were pretty underground back in the 70s when we you did the the movie and actually was your the first movie you produced.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: And before that, you were an art dealer in England.
1: I, I was <laughs> an art dealer actually. Living at the time, I was living in Paris. Oh, that's how I come to speak a bit of French.
0: D'accord. I was Très living bien.
1: in the Marais, the oh. So, oh, I love I, the Marais. Uh, it was. Producing this film, that is how I came to live in New York. So if I'm honest with myself, I don't hate to admit this, but I've been really living in New York since the, uh, 1976 when post-production on Hot One Highways. Awesome. So if the film changed my life dramatically.
0: I bet. Because Not
1: always for the better. I mean, I love the film, don't get me wrong. Being an independent film producer is a lot more hazardous than being an art dealer.
0: Yeah, because that was your first film. It was not your last film. And you have your own production company, which is called Sea Lion. Sea Lion Films. Sea Lion Films. Are you still developing and producing stories to this day?
1: I'm more than dabbling, I hope. Uh, I'm in the midst right now of post production on a documentary that uh, we've been filming in Zimbabwe. Oh, nice. uh, For the last year. With
0: a uh, psychiatrist, right? Yes,
1: yeah. There's a psychiatrist there called Dr. Dr. Chipanda, his name is Dixon, Uh and he uh, has been training grandmothers since 2006 uh, to treat depression on a public bench called the Friendship Bench and uh, so it's in a country which has many many problems and 16 million people. He was one of nine psychiatrists who had to tackle a problem that was immense. Mm -hmm and uh, he had no resources so he came across the idea of grandmothers and uh, you know I was close to my grandmother and very often I wish so was around today <laughs> it would have helped yes yeah. so yeah
0: so I get from this that you're producing very different kinds of movies yeah. not just music driven movies so what makes a great documentary for you is it uh, a great car-
1: documentary is a great subject uh, in the hands of a a really, you know, really strong director, and for me, it's it's you know, I, I it typically would be my vision. But I will tell you, Hot One Highways was not my vision. Any other film I produced came really from the gen, you know the whole genesis of the project and the mm-hmm. fulfillment of was was mine. You know, as an overseeing kind of creative producer, but Hot uh, One Highways was Jim Salapsky's mm-hmm.
0: vision, and he made you want to become a producer.
1: I got to know him. I met him in Paris briefly. He came to stay with me. I was living in London at the time we met, and uh, he wanted to. He wanted. He had never been to Europe before, and so he came to stay with me with his girlfriend. And he bought a chevaux. Uh huh. Oh yes. <laughs> and he travelled all around uh, England and parts of uh, France in his De Chevaux.
0: My dad and used like, to have a Chevaux. Oh really? A <laughs> yes. great little car. <laughs> yes.
1: And he was actually a car nut. He used to paint them. He was a a graphic artist before he was a a filmmaker. And he he was staying with me on and off for about two or three months Mm -hmm. with his girlfriend at the time. And he played this music for me and over the course of a couple of years, I guess, it must be two years in all, uh, I really became well acquainted with not just the music Mostly Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt mm-hmm. were, the, the, were initiation for me. But uh, he uh, he really shared his vision for what this film could be. And I, I, I there was a time right in the mid-70s when the art market just seized up. It was uh-huh. paralyzed. It hasn't happened since then in the same way. You know, the art market seems in, you know, immune to what happens in the economy. Mm-hmm. But then it just totally seized up. And I was bored, and I'd made some money, and so we took a trip down to Nashville together.
0: And you saw that it would be a good way to invest your money. Well, no,
1: <laughs> I just literally walked into a, a bar there called the Exit Inn. I don't know if it still exists; it might do. And Guy Clark was playing. Oh. And I walked in, and it just literally blew me away. And I did. I said I hadn't really thought about producing the film. I just wanted to go to Nashville and meet and hear you know hear these That's musicians. Amazing. And I was. Uh, I got to know Guy, his wife Susanna, mm-hmm. and you know, in those few days we were there, I just asked him what it would take to make the film. and This was November of 1975, and he told me a number which I thought was okay, you know, mm-hmm. I'd made some money, and so uh, and we were like, filming five it. weeks later. We yeah. were literally filming, and he'd been to- he had the, the crew, it was a six-man crew, everyone in their mid-twenties, right? Mm-hmm and every one of them knew was close was close to jim and i had gotten to know them over the time our friendship developed because i would go to new york on art business Mm -hmm. and uh so everybody was lining up to come on board and make this film and the grip was living in canada he was he was dodging the vietnam war he was a a, a, he was a draft dodger Mm -hmm. and he snuck across the border to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Mike wow. Harris, Michael Harris. All he right. came to uh, yeah. He came to work on the film. As did uh, the editor Philip mm-hmm. Sharp, who was also the assistant director. The sound man Alvas Dugard, who died uh, literally a few days after Jim. Oh wow! Neither of them saw this film to, to you know to to get any kind of recognition or you know it it was really an orphan for about twenty five years. It it mm-hmm, existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, guess the VHS tapes that were passed around by musicians all over the world. It's a cult it movie.
0: Yeah. it's a cult movie. Didn't get a lot of recognition when it was first out, I guess. And over the years, building around uh, a community of passionate musicians, I guess. Exactly. And that, that's how I got to, to, to know the movie in the first place, because I, I saw a clip in the 2000 early 2000 on YouTube. At the beginning of YouTube, I saw that powerful scene with Towns Van Zandt uh, performing Waiting Around to Die. And I was hooked. And I guess uh, that's a, a fan favorite scene uh, of the movie. Yeah. And to me, it's very powerful because you have three amazing characters in that scene. You got towns of course that's performing an amazing song but you got also
1: that uh girl who's yeah, here Yeah, she's beautiful she's beautiful and yeah, she's she the washing up at the beginning yes exactly I <laughs> and i love the way she drives her pants on her ass it's just like country <laughs> girl you know and you've got yeah uncle seymour he yes. was really the uh, he was the heart of that community it was a you know it was a at the time, it's, it's, it's radically changed now, but at the time it was, a, you know, it was a very modest, uh-huh. you know, community that had... Uh, and he he'd lived there, I think, most of his life and... Uh,
0: he was 79 when he, he yeah, was yeah. shot and uh, he was born in 1896, mm-hmm. which is make it even more powerful because when you realize that, you're like, okay, now I'm not just watching a documentary. I'm watching a piece of history. And he, he was uh, fra- from uh, a family of former slaves, yes, which is, makes it even more powerful because now you understand how music is intertwined with American history, which really uh, is important to me. That's why I like to go back and trace this to the history of modern music in the U.S., because ultimately it all comes back to the history of uh, slaves and slavery in the U.S. I think if you want, as a foreigner like me, <laughs> if you want to understand America to this day, you have to do that journey of trying to understand the history and music is a good thread I guess to follow, to try to understand that and that's why I think this documentary you've produced is very important to me and many.
1: Well, it's a, it's a nice perspective and it's valid, uh, you know, uh really respected and uh, uh, Uncle Seymour was a sort of self-proclaimed, he wasn't a preacher, but he talks about God and he talks about, it's, re- it's really just having faith, you know, mm-hmm. and having great values. And Towns, you know, was, a, uh, he was a free spirit, but he, uh, he, he found real comfort and guidance being close to mm-hmm. Uncle Seymour as everybody did in that community he was really he was he was really loved mm. and uh, but uh, he was also <laughs> he's just a great guy to yeah <laughs> you know, he was yeah. really he was really just a, a, an amazing human being but yes t- the history is interesting and it ties into all you know blues and gospel and but also the interesting part of how uh, uh, of you know this kind is uh, out, so-called outdoor country music it really is connected to all kinds of roots music mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and
0: and uh, uh, I think there were kind of all marginals in a way that re- resolved around uh, Uncle Seymour right yeah There's a whole community of people that were not uh, well, it was impoverished. It yeah, was a poor it was impoverished, and and they were rejecting the mainstream.
1: Every well, that was, the film was that the film was, uh, you know, all the characters in the film, uh, maybe with the exception of Charlie Daniels, mm-hmm. which is a big concert scene in the film, uh, were really sort of uh, living their own lives and very much uh, secluded from. They didn't want to be a part of the machine. Mm-hmm. They were very uh, much, you know, they they occasionally wrote songs that were recorded by big-name musicians yes. obviously and they ended up you know doing quite well of course but, yes.
0: uh, and uh, I guess you, that was the core one of the core elements of your uh, documentary because you revealed uh, yesterday when we were doing the screening of Heartburn Highway here at the Pioneer Town Film Festival we had a little Q&A and you, you said that at some point Willie Nelson uh, N- Nelson sorry uh, uh wanted to be part of the the documentary he he offered and you 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 stick to that line of we're gonna
1: well we were immature and we were naive you know we we really had when we filmed david allen Coe singing Mm -hmm. grandpa i've been thinking about you lately and with a cutaway to the farm footage which i think is one of the most beautiful scenes in the film actually Mm and, uh, we 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 filmed that after we'd finished filming. It was just Jim and I. Oh. The crew had gone back to New York, or, uh, you know, uh, where everybody or or where everybody was living. We, uh-huh. dis, we disbanded, and Jim and I wanted to shoot a, a different scene with David and Cohen. He was staying in the hotel. That Willie and Waylon were staying in, and they had heard about the film because they were close to Guy Clark and they David, and they they knew the they, they and everybody had really enjoyed being a, a part of the film because mm-hmm. we became a part of that community too, and uh, so he they sent down words they offered they didn't exactly beg but they said you know <laughs> yeah, let course. them know we'd like to be in the film too we, we were, heard about we the heard movie. about it and we like <laughs> what we hear, and Jim and I you know we 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 mulled it over for I mean at the time it was uh, it wasn't such that we were so uh, it wasn't arrogance it mm-hmm. was really Jim's it, again we go back to Jim Sticking his vision, vision yes. was so you know, we didn't know who was going to be in the film except for Towns, Guy and David okay mm-hmm. everyone else happened to be put together as we were filming all that's of them. amazing! And so that's a, that was a miracle to begin with but by the time we'd finished filming although it took a year to edit that film because it's a very sophisticated kind of, you know, uh, the, as you know, the it, it's not it's not linear, it's not mm-hmm. narrative, it's mm-hmm. music driven mm-hmm. and it's emotionally driven, it's a stream of feelings really um, And it's also
0: we, like a, a, a real movie with uh, an impressive editing Yeah, well
1: ed- at the time it broke so many rules, nobody really could understand it, frankly It, it, it you know, the, the, the talent around that small group of young guys, you know Jim and Philip mm-hmm. and Alva, the sound guy, and the a, sound is—it was one guy with a, a stereo Nagra with a with a boom in one hand and. A st-
0: and I he, just can't believe that it's so, so incredible because yeah. that's one of the things. It's your the quality of the sound makes it that you can actually just listen to the music and it's already a great experience. And by the way, I have something to show you. I know it's a podcast, but. Oh. <laughs> I got, I purchased this you, you, like maybe five years ago. Yeah, you know,
1: that's David Gorman who produced that. Uh, he's a good friend of mine, He lives in oh. Topanga. In fact, I'm going to LA. You're, you're, the, you're the second, third person who's told me they have this. <laughs> and you have it here. Yes. And this was a passion project for him. Before it I became bet. a passion project for Light in the Attic and Matt Sullivan, who mm. put out that amazing box set. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. but this was David's David sort of uh, approached me uh, way back when he he did uh, he, he wanted to put out this uh, I, I, actually the music is uh, yeah it was actually was my son one of my son's favorite uh, albums and it wasn't necessarily his favorite music. So for our
0: listeners, I, I just uh, brought the vinyl, the double vinyl of the documentary with all the music from the documentary and uh, I'm gonna ask Ram Leader if he wants to sign it for me later.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you that. so much. So I, I found that like I think pattern. five years ago or something. Yeah, and, it's uh, been
1: out that that one's been out for a while.
0: From Amoeba, that was the I guess thirty years anniversary or
1: something. Yeah. And you that did was the thirties, uh, but there's another one that's that came out ten years later, yes. Light in the Attic, which was a very deluxe box set that uh is uh, I think it's quite hard to come by now, it's become a sort of collector's item.
0: I'm gonna have to go on a quest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, uh, you also shot a sequel, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm gonna see it this afternoon and I just uh, can't wait because uh, uh, I guess uh, it was the same concept, going back to the same places and see who are the artists of today like yeah. hearing that same legacy.
1: Yes, it's a leg. yeah, very much so. Uh, the, the 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 for me the sweet spot is that uh, first of all I I really like the musicians in the film, you know. They are Nashville based. They're mm-hmm. a community. They're outside of mainstream uh as you'll find. I won't tell you too much about no, it. But you will find Guy Clark. Young and David Allan Coe. Oh. And it'll be, it, it'll really I think it'll it'll it's uh I think it'd be. I think you'll. I think. I think you'll enjoy it. It's. It's. Uh, it may not hold the same place in your heart as Heart One, but it's. It's. Uh, it's a good uh, grandson.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I wanted to to know when it comes to producing uh-huh. and uh, especially producing music. So you you already said that. Most of it wasn't really planned. you when you had three uh, musicians, yeah. three characters that you yeah. wanted to follow, and then they, I guess, they send you to other directions too, right? How
1: did well, it? Well, two things happened. One is uh, we we had very little time to prepare. We just decided, okay, we're going to film it now. That winter, you know, as you see, we filmed mm-hmm. it over Christmas. That's why. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, tri- you know silent night at the end uh, that was christmas eve guy what happened was guy had his his house was a was sort of a it, it was a nexus for you know these gatherings mm-hmm. you know they would happen very spontaneously you know uh, you get a phone call uh, the, uh, the, so we met certain musicians like steve Earle, mm. who was a 19 year old kid at it's the amazing you, to see that you see, document. you see that at the end yeah uh, great musicians like Bill Carey mm-hmm. and Richard Dobson and people like that but a lot of it was just uh through listening through word of mouth and uh you know uh yeah it it, it was very it was it was all put together us sponta- to even filming David at the at the prison mm-hmm. you know was uh, done on the on the, on the road which was you know at the I don't think you could do that today. We, yeah,
0: no yeah I was going to say like the, the uh, hassle to get the permission. And yeah, it was, it was
1: <laughs> all it was all like that. But it 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 came. To, I mean, we filmed a lot more musicians than mm-hmm. actually in the film. Mm-hmm. But the one, you know, so yes. we weren't really clear about. We're just clear about the values of, you know, singer songwriter. Every sing uh, every singer sings their own song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it had to be that and. Uh, they just uh, you know it, it was really just the quality of the music and the writing mm-hmm. and it just happened they they were about to emerge into you know major influential you know, uh, actually musicians.
0: so much influential that back in two thousand and fifteen i've been part of a kind of a similar project so for french t v oh. so uh we filmed uh, well I, I was the one of the musicians and actually i was the With my wife Fanny that that you met at the PR of the festival too. Oh, that's your wife. Yes.
1: Were you sitting in the front last night with her? Yes. Exactly. Oh, I was. I was wondering. You looked like you might be a couple. Yes, we've been married for ten years. She's she's really sweet. I, I, I haven't had much. We haven't had a lot of interaction, but the little bit we've had uh-huh. has been really lovely. She's just been extremely thoughtful and friendly and <laughs> charming, and she's lovely. She's beautiful. So thank lucky you. you. Lucky both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in 2015,
0: we, we were approached by a French uh, channel, French uh, director, and he said, "Oh, w- we know uh, you guys are." French couple that are performing music in California can you take us to the places you like and uh, we do a, kind of a road trip together and you meet other artists that you like that you want to showcase and so we did that and we started here in Joshua Tree and we we've been around you know the the area uh, or uh, we've been to Salton Sea, Slab City there's a little community uh, around there and we did performances and uh, we wrote a song during the entire trip inspired by all the musicians we met and it was the same concept not uh, only underground people you know and trying to show a a still of what is Joshua Tree right now in 2015 through the eyes of those people who came to this place that is filled with music history too with Graham Parsons that died here in Joshua Tree with uh, you know the or like um, more modern um, musicians like Queens of Stone Age, like starting their career because they're from here or you too even being inspired in and yeah, right, having yeah. their records. So we did uh, similar trips. So I wanted to thank you because you just influenced Did us. this become
1: a documentary?
0: Oh yeah, it, be, it was uh, shown on uh, French TV. On don't uh, well, ca- send me a link? Oh, oh well, totally. It's, in, yeah, oh, oh, it it's in French so you can... Uh, You can watch Uh, it. uh,
1: That would be great. It was like French.
0: It it was just a small cruise, the same, and uh, we had uh, fun doing that.
1: (laughs) Seems like we were destined to meet
0: us. (laughs) Well, actually, when I when I heard about the uh, festival, of course, uh, Fanny was the PR of the festival. But I asked, and I bring the podcast
1: when I saw you would be here. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm enjoying this, and I can't always say that (laughs) (laughs) happens with. uh, regular monotony, this is this is really, you know, it's... Uh,
0: Thank you so much. Very enjoyable. And um, um, I can't, you know, I, I'm going to look into all the movies you've produced also, because I want to... They're disc-
1: very different, I'll tell you that. Uh, which is great. That's made my life not terribly easy in terms of, <laughs> I don't have a yeah hard to pigeonhole they're all um, even the music in a way character driven mm-hmm. sort of stories and I'm producing this documentary now but I, I actually develop uh, I'm developing a, a TV series oh, a nice. western in Australia set in the 1870s uh, oh, wow. and as well as other I have a romantic comedy I have a, a love story set in Cambodia in the late 60s I have a, a, a lot of different projects I, that's all I've got are projects I've been developing and they take years as you because I really, uh, I I kind of function outside the system, pretty much the way you these, did, uh, you know, yeah, the, the musicians did, uh, you know, in the mid seventies. I'm, I'm not, by necessarily by choice, but I don't seem to fit within a corporate mm-hmm. structure very well.
0: So yeah, you um, make movies that matters to you. Yeah, that's and, uh,
1: uh, it, it's it's when it happens and when it works. I mean, I spend a lot of time working in order to work, uh-huh. but when it actually does, there's nothing more rewarding.
0: What's the biggest struggle? Is it the financing part is. and the distribution then? Just I guess? both.
1: I tell you, every part is the most difficult part. There's not when one you're part. you're yes. Except, you know, when you fall in love with a story or you feel that, you know, that you, pretty much when you take, make a decision to develop a, a project, you embark on a journey. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. where you want to wind up, but you rarely get there the way you want, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go. It's a windy route. And it's you know it's uh, yeah a lot of uh, cul-de-sac you know mm-hmm. a lot of uh, roadblocks a lot of avalanche a mm-hmm. lot of I, I rockfall in the canyon you know? it's just it's it's really tough and yeah financing of course but you know uh, putting the whole puzzle together it's mm-hmm. just uh, you, you know so you, I work on a lot of different projects. And pretty fatalistic. I mean, I'm driven <laughs> and I'm, you know, focused. But I and when once I lock onto something, I'm pretty singular. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's that's uh,
0: the key, I guess. You you have to be like yeah, and you can only do that if you love it. You, know? mm-hmm. you
1: you can't stay the course otherwise. It's it's uh, it's easier to just do something else.
0: I'm asking you that question because I have uh, that little dream of myself that one day I'm going to produce also uh, a music documentary. So. you will! I'm sure you will. And uh, you know when we started. Your
1: passion and your knowledge, you will. Uh, Thank you. Be true to yourself.
0: When we started uh, hanging on Sunset, I was uh, actually literally hanging on Sunset Boulevard with that much music history over there. At the same time, realizing that. It was over that the Sunset Strip was yeah. uh, just a touristy place exactly. and uh, the you know a uh, thing from the past that uh, uh, up-and-coming artists have moved to the other sides of the city and uh, so uh, it made me reflect you know I was like oh it's like uh, walking on a graveyard but still reflecting about your your own life and meaning the meaning of your life so I thought that that was a good title hanging on sunset and maybe someday this uh, will become a a documentary too about the music in LA. Yeah, or I don't that
1: know. might be a good way into it. actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so you much. You have Graham. a strong concept that you really uh, that you can build on. I and if you do, that vision will take you where you need to go. But it, it's it, yeah.
0: But the, you know that I'm doing some research right now. I'm discovering things about my own neighborhood in Mid City that I didn't know. Like, like Ray Charles had had his studio here uh-huh. in well, the, go. West Adams. Yeah and Little Richard lived here for a moment too. So you, you, you're pulling a you know, thread and it uh, leads you to somewhere else. And that's the beauty of it, like the research and discovering and then sharing that. Uh, I will passion. tell you one
1: thing, which is probably not what you want to hear, but the reason I produced Hot uh, 1 Revisited, which is a film I'm very proud of and I have really really deep affection for it. I, I think it's, uh, it's in its own way. I can't compare the two, but they're definitely closely related, very closely related. Um, was, my idea was to produce a series of yes. roots, you know, from every genre. I wanted to travel all over the country and go into communities because I think community is what we are most lacking in this world today. And uh, that's what really, I guess, in a way without knowing it, that's what appealed to besides the music and the characters about the fact that this was really a community. And you'll find yes. that in the sequel. And it's certainly in the documentary I'm producing now. But I find that really... But music films are, without a big, big name, you know, without mm-hmm. Ray Charles or Mick Jagger or, mm-hmm. or, you know, Kurt Cobain or whatever, very, very hard to, to get proper distribution, you know. It, it's a tough market. Because I, 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 I really wanted to do an ongoing series. So I could see for the rest of my life, Mm-hmm. I would just always have a documentary in production that I that that would fit into this sort of, you know, it was a very, it was a seed that planted by Jim, you know, mm-hmm. and I love it. I think it's really true, and I think it's got great value, but it's hard to pull it off.
0: It has an amazing value that goes beyond music because to me, when I rewatched the movie yesterday with you, I I thought about Claude Lévi-Strauss and anthropology and ethnology, and. Um, I thought also about how he, I, I forgot his name right now. Uh, that guy who went around all the penitentiaries in the 30s and 40s and recorded like oh,
1: Led jo- uh, Jack Johnson. Oh, no, what's his name again?
0: Sorry, but I thought about this. Like that, there's a dimension of anthropology to what you're doing because you're showing the values and the how how a community. Is tied together
1: Yes, yeah, a social and, value yes the yeah. social
0: and that's the to me that's the the merit of the the main merit beyond the value of the music that you're showing, which is amazing because they all have amazing musicianship, but that's what makes me feel that this documentary was, will be still be shown in 100 years Well, I
1: now. tell you what's interesting is I have a lot of the people who came tonight. It wasn't a big audience, but it was a very, very loving audience. I have to say, I felt really well gratified. You know, I've been in screenings where it's just been jam packed, mm-hmm. and that's also thrilling. But last night was a special because uh, just the, the 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 connection between the audience and the film was so strong, and the the the, the warmth that. That came out of that. It was deeply, uh, it was deeply touching, and uh,
0: and I love that you dropped the mic for the Q and A. You say, "Hey, come closer. Let's just sit together and uh, talk about this like if we're around the fire."
1: <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, it's it. It was really, uh, it was quite special, and I, I and I always like to uh, talk about. This is the only film I ever talk about. I I, I rarely talk about any other because. Uh, the director was such a talented mm-hmm. guy you know and uh, he never lived to see the, 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 the love But what I was going to say was that several of the people even uh, Kona who works at the festival uh-huh. has that same album you have because she collects vinyl and she had never seen the film she didn't you know she uh-huh. and, and so many people who into this music came last night and they hadn't seen the film and this film is still waiting to be discovered it has not yet it hasn't hit that that hasn't hit the main vein yet it's still in a mm-hmm. you know it's still just on the periphery, of, you know, it's, it's, it, like you said it has a, a a really strong devoted cult following but it's a tiny fraction of the audience I think for this film mm-hmm. and ultimately for the sequel because People do really get something out of it, and it is that time capsule. It's really true to exactly. that moment. I think
0: though. the the more we are going away from that moment in time, that's why it's growing because yeah. it's it, it gains in uh, historical value. Yeah, I think that, well, that's what's going to happen with the sequel
1: too, probably. Uh, well, I, it'll be shackled to this. one will always lead the way, but I, I, I look I haven't even really done anything about distributing in in the rest of the world because. Kino Loba owns the rights to North America Mm -hmm. and this film has a market everywhere in Europe definitely in France in your your native country but everywhere England Germany Australia Japan this film has uh, and I I think at some point there's going to be just uh, you know uh, the wave is growing but it's growing in its own way I am not very good at marketing (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, distributors like to sell what is uh, low hanging fruit and easy to.
0: And you know grasp. what, I think Internet might just be helping to make it even more widespread because it's, it's a niche documentary sure. in a way Definitely. and niche all around the world through Internet. They can find their way to it, I guess. So yeah. I think it's going to be living a long time. <laughs>
1: yeah, longer than me for sure. <laughs> and me, probably. <laughs> yeah, I I, don't, I was going to say I hope, but I don't mean. It. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way.
0: Well, Graham, thank you so much for sharing the, your time with me and sharing these uh, uh, incredible stories about one of my favorite documentaries ever. So, uh, I'm looking forward to discover more of your work now.
1: Well, thank you very much. I have to say that uh, the, the the pleasure is shared. I, I've been very happy to sit here. and share this time with you and I'll see you later on today. Yes. Okay. See
0: you at the screen of Hardhorn Highway, revisited. Well done. <laughs>
1: Bravo. It's the first song I ever wrote um, Is it? I have no idea. It's about old man I met in the bar.
2: Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me Sometimes I can't even see the reason why I guess I'll keep a gambling Lots of booze and lots of rambling It's easier than just waiting around to die Every one time friends I had them all I even had a paw. He beat her with a belt once, cause she cried. She told him to take care of me. She headed down to Tennessee. Oh, it's easier than just a waiting around to die. Really come age, and I found a girl in a Tuscaloosa bar she cleaned me out and hit it on the slide I tried to kill the pain I bought some booze and hopped a train seemed easier than just waiting around to die and a friend said he knew where some easy money was we robbed a man and brother did we fly told her to take care of me They drug me back to Tennessee
1: And it's two long
2: years of waiting around to die Oh, but now I'm out of prison I got me a friend at last He don't drink or steal or cheat or lie Well, his name's Codeine He's the nicest thing I've seen. And together we're going to wait around. Well, together we're going to wait around. That's beautiful. (laughs) It's my favorite.